Broadcasting live, weekday morning, this is listener-supported One Radio Network. Well, indeed it is, and we are back. Uh, thanks for sticking around here. We had a good time this morning talking about stuff, one of our stuff. And now one of our fave guys, he's a cool guy. His name is Varus Ahmad, and uh, the phone lines are still out. They did not get fixed between an hour ago and today, so we'll have to uh, talk to Varus so you can through email, Patrick at one radio network.com Patrick at one radio network.com He's an interesting fellow. He is a polymath, author, esotericist, ecologist. He specializes in nutrition, history, and anthropology. And during his youth, Ahmad was initiated into esoteric orders where he was able to develop his philosophical and scientific understandings. I was brought up in the esoteric order of Our Lady of Perpetual Payments as a Catholic, where I learned deep, deep fear and guilt. And, you know, so that, you know, that, that's, that's my background. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ahmad, how are you? I'm doing very well this morning. How about you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Boris has got some cool books, too. Uh, let me just mention a couple of the ones. Um, Nutrition and Hair Loss. Looks like he saw that one. Look at the hair on this guy. Um, and Nutritional Fortification and Physical Development. I have that one on a Kindle. Living Foods, Bioenergetic Nutrition, The Disease of Kings, ooh, and The Vegan Agenda Exposed. You can all these little Kindles on Amazon, right? That's fun. A few bucks. Yeah, it's great. You got the hair thing down, brother. I don't know what you did with the hair, but I don't know what you're doing, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all in my book. Yeah, I I basically I point out the obvious that most people cannot see, and um, it's basically commonalities between uh, primitive and classical cultures, which were uh, renowned for their long, beautiful, thick hair. Ah, did they show the commonalities they had in diet, nutrition, Mm -hmm. in their topical hair care, and I show and I then contrast that with uh, modern. Uh, petrochemical, pharmaceutical, cosmetics, and hair care. Uh-huh. And uh, offer the theory that the things you can buy at the pharmacy today actually just will aggravate the hair loss and poison you, tox- uh, toxify your glands, and so on. There's actually some cultures that they, they don't cut their hair too because they believe it it takes away some of their power. Isn't the Sikhs do that? I used to know a lot of Sikhs. The Sikhs, yeah. The Sikhs do that? I think there's some Native American Indians who are like that as well. Uh-huh. Do you think there could be anything to that? I mean, without a doubt, yeah, without really? a doubt. Huh. My, um, uh, so my view is that the, the hair is a uh, physical extension of the nervous system. The nervous system. And if the nervous system is responsible for our uh, sensory perception through uh, taste, touch, smell, sight, well, if the hair is an extension uh, of this um, sensory organ, you can say, I would argue that it is um, able to perceive senses in the physical world, kind of in a way that uh, when you're in the presence of a dangerous person, you may get goosebumps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the hair, I believe, also interacts with the living environment in that way, too. If you're healthy enough and you're sane enough, you're grounding, right? Like our ancestors were. Right. Today, we're all in boxes and a little different. That's the that's the idea of the hair stands up on the back of your neck or something, you know, so it's like... <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's sensing uh, something in its environment that's, you know, 
hmm. keeping it out in a sense. Have you have you found any real uh, go to or magic bullets for the gray? Do we know why the hair does the gray thing? Yeah, um, I do believe it's demineralization. Do you? Mm-hmm. Due to stress and lifestyle, and uh, I think that the best, by far, the best remedy for this is to grow your own wheatgrass and yeah. uh, very mineralized soil, and then juice that. Yeah, I bet so. Last time we were on, we talked about it. You talked about kelp, and I got some wheatgrass that was powdered, already done. But you know, mm. so I don't. And I've been doing it. And I, I tell you, I, I I can see some changes, you know. And I've only been doing. When the last time you were on, um, a month or so, or six weeks? I think it was two months ago. Two months ago. Yeah, Yeah, I can see it. It's getting darker. So it's a mineral thing. It's a mineral thing. Yeah. And there's people like, uh, are you familiar with Brian and Anne-Marie Clement at the Hippocrates Health Institute? I I know Brian Clay. He's been on the show. Yeah, he's cool. I love him. He's incredible. If you look at his hair, I mean, it's like a checha chia, you know, and they are on a primarily wheatgrass juice diet. Yes. And all those folks around them at the Hippocrates Health Institute over the last five decades, like Victorious and um, who was the founding godmother? I forgot her name. Mm, Not sure. Uh, Anne Wigmore. Anne Wigmore. Yeah. She was the real, yeah, the whole sprout lady, right? The sprout Exactly. I think at the age of like 50 or 60, she reversed her gray hair with uh, fresh wheatgrass juice. No kidding. See, I maybe yeah. maybe need to do that, and you just grow it, and you get the little machine. And do you do that yourself? Yeah, yeah. Do you? Yeah, it's the foundation of my diet here. Now that I'm back at home and able to grow stuff again, grow my own wheatgrass. It's and aside from here, it just gives me so much energy. Wow. I love it. So it's pretty it's easy really to figure that out. I used to have these shelves and the and, you know, the grow lights, right? And you do it. Yeah. I actually just do it in the backyard. Oh, you do? And I put it in, um, in, in a shaded area. It just needs some indirect sunlight. And I'll uh, I'll grab a tray, like a hydroponic tray. Right. And then I'll use um, like organic potting soil, but I also amend it with uh, two different forms of trace minerals. One is a uh, rock dust from Utah. Mm-hmm. And the other is a glacial rock dust from, uh, from uh, the Pacific Northwest Canada area. Oh. And you know, the minerals are all basically, um, they're rock. Hmm. So I get two different forms of pulverized rock dust, and I put a teaspoon of each in the tray, so I supply the full spectrum of minerals. And then the soil itself, I make sure it has um, bat guano and warm castings for the bacterial component. Wow. I grow the wheat in that, and my God, this stuff is just incredible. Within a week, seven to eight days, that wheat will consume uh, about an inch of soil that's in the tray. It will eat it all up. Um, whereas, for example, all the other sprouts that I've grown, beets, kale, spinach, lettuce sprouts, sunflower sprouts, which are very strong, it would take three to four weeks to consume all of that soil, perhaps even longer. So that's why wheatgrass is so powerful. It's such a hungry plant. It eats everything from the ground. Interesting. Do you do you yeah. have your process on paper or on a book or somewhere that people could learn how to do it from you? Or how does that I should make a YouTube video. That'd be great. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do that. Because I want to do it. You got me all excited. Okay. Now, it's pretty stout, right? You have to get, I mean, I've done it before. And as you, It's pretty, but you're okay with that, huh? It's the most disgusting thing I've ever had, but it makes <laughs> me feel good. Yeah. Thanks for that, Farris. I know. <laughs> I was being kind with stout, you know. It's pretty, pretty terrible. <laughs> it is. You have to chase it with like orange juice or fresh squeezed lemon juice, something. Something. 
Yeah, I mean, I eat raw eggs like it's water. It doesn't yeah. taste like anything to me. But wheatgrass juice, just my God, it's repulsive. Yeah. But it's good. It works. It helps me out. And how much would you would you do daily about? Um, well, according to the people at Hippocrates Health Institute, they said the body can't absorb more than eight ounces in a day. That's a lot. Um, yeah, it's a lot. And I do anywhere between two to four ounces. Uh huh. Yeah. And you just get the organic wheat berry things, put them in there, and rock and roll. Uh huh. Soak them inside of like a, a container mm -hmm. overnight. Uh, drain drain it the next day and make sure you have your tray of soil prepared with the organic soil you can buy at a hydroponic shop and some rock dust. Uh, put the wheat inside of the tray, create an even layer, and then you want to stack another tray on top of that, an empty tray, and you want to put like two small bricks inside there to have some weight oh. on the seeds. And it's amazing, like on top of my seeds, because I'll stack like four or five trays of different sprouts I'm growing, sunflower and wheat uh, specifically and they can have up to like 40 pounds of weight on top of them but these little sprouts will push that thing right up within a few Is days that it's right? so strong no kidding yeah and so imagine and then you know you take off the the top layers mm -hmm. and you reveal them to the sunlight and they start absorbing photosynthesis or electromagnetic electric power from the sun and when you harvest that and juice that on the spot you're getting not only like a potent source of literally light energy which is magnetized into form but you're also getting the physical dimension the soil the minerals huh. it's the best of the world of course in, in, in the traditional in a primitive world uh, for the carnivores hmm. you would let the cow eat the grass and then you would slip yeah, the cow's eat the, throat and yeah, eat the cow right but we're not there <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah. yeah someone told me and i think it was don jansen do you do you do you, read, do you know don jansen he used to do uh ocean grown wheatgrass and he's left us now he he went on his cosmic vacation, but I knew him 10 years ago, and he was using a diluted um, ocean water in water, uh -huh. and, I, and I choose to remember, I think it was about 150 or 250 total dissolved solid TDSs. Of, that's how he, he measured it, and he would just use this, and he said that had so many minerals from the ocean water, you know. That'll work just uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, so you're going to do a video, right? You put that on your list, and then you can... I will, yeah. And when I have um, I'll do it this week. And when I have it done, I'll make sure to send you the, yeah. the video. In an email. I'll put it on our front page. Yeah, that's cool. I'll put it on the front page. Uh, Varus Ahmad is with us, and that's one place you can find Varus. He's a YouTube star. He and uh, a lot of teenage <laughs> girls that have cats that look like Hitler. He's, they're right up there with their, <laughs> with their subscribers. <laughs> So this is this is your non this is your place as YouTube, right? You don't really do another website, is that right? No, I'm not, I'm kind of low key. I don't really do too much. Mm -hmm. no. Well, you put plenty of videos up, though. I mean, you have your your share, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a fair there's a fair amount. No. Oh. So I want to ask you so many questions. So one thing I was thinking about this morning is, do you know why it is that we we humans can try a certain food or idea, even a supplement, mm -hmm. and it will work for maybe a month or two. Mm -hmm. You know, like a certain food, and it's just the greatest thing ever, right? And then a month or two later, it goes, man, I don't need any more of that stuff. Um, have you had yeah. that, that experience? 
For sure, yeah. I've had this, you know, for seven, eight years experimenting. Something works once for a few weeks or months, and then it starts killing you. Isn't that amazing? And same thing with diets. And uh, <laughs> I believe the reason is, is like the all the traditional medicinal systems, the Chinese, Iranian, and Indian, and Greek medicinal systems, they all had the belief that disease in the body was caused either by a deficiency of certain nutrients or elements, or an excessive toxicity of certain nutrients or elements from food. Okay. And so, for example, one can go on a carnivore diet after they have been on a grain-based, pesticide, herbicide-based diet for many decades, mm -hmm. and they may feel a lot of autoimmune uh, relief. A lot of their symptoms may subside, and they'll feel a lot better. It's because they were starved of the nutrients in meat and meat food in general. But after some time, the iron and the purines and all the other cooked food metabolites and the lipid peroxides from, from the cooked fats and rancid fats, that will build up in the body as well and clog your organs and you'll feel like crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And some people go vegan. Some people, they uh, were on a uh, conventional pork, sausage, ham, bacon diet their whole life. Um, and they end up going raw vegan at 40 or 50 and they go, my God, this is the holy grail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, they've never had fresh juices before. They never had a blueberry before, you know. So that's what it really is. It's just uh, toxicity builds up no matter what kind of a diet that you're on. Mm. And that's why in nature, we would eat according to the seasons. I mean, we were eating every single day. The body had a lot of time to fast and, re and remove these uh, cooked food metabolites and drain the lymphatic system. So that is my theory on why the soul is. So that's why when we tend to eat something or join a club like carnivore or keto, we join a club and we get all excited about it and, and then start having some weird things that go on later and we don't, you know, well, what's, what's going on here? Wait a minute. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I actually have a video on my channel um, where I basically debunk the carnivore diet and it's my response to Bart K. Oh, really? I want to watch that. Yeah, yeah. He had made a video about me randomly. I wasn't even aware of the guy, and he was just being disrespectful. And I know um, he does you that. Know, his typical personality. And I challenged him to a debate. I emailed him. I said, "Let's just debate this in a friendly manner with an open conversation." Okay. And he refused. He turned it down. So I made a response video to him anyway. And um, I basically give uh, multiple reasons why the carnivore diet is a fad and why long term it is not optimal and the consequences which can arrive thereof of consuming too much cooked meat day in and day out. For example, one of them being uh, iron poisoning. In traditional cultures, they all understood the need for bloodletting through cupping therapy, which existed in all the traditional medicinal sy mm. systems, was, again, for the purpose of removing things like iron. On the other hand, you'll never find a 100% carnivore people on the planet except for... Um, indigenous cultures who lived around the Arctic Circle in the far north, such as the Nanet and the Inuit, uh -huh. but they're eating almost all of it raw, 100% raw. So it's different because when you start cooking it and you're only eating the muscle meat, it's a totally different game than raw meat. Um, there's people like the Maasai, uh, who the carnivores like to reference a lot, but the, the Maasai and the Samburu, they are on a 60% raw milk diet. Really? Yeah, and that calcium and magnesium from the milk buffers the iron and some of the negative consequences you're going to get from eating all that cooked meat. Ah. And so I give a bunch of reasons why this won't work long term. And then I show examples of women. There was a podcast that I show a clip of a few women talking about. They were carnivore advocates and like teachers in the area. 
And they were talking about how they were getting uh, emails from hundreds of different women saying they were losing their menstruation on the diet. On the carnivore diet, yeah. Pure carnivore. On the carnivore diet, yeah. And there's multiple reasons for that, why women would lose their fertility on such a diet. And I'm of the belief that if you're not giving, if you're on a carnivore diet and you're not eating nose to tail raw, like the Inuit are, and you're only eating cooked muscle meat, especially if you're a woman, uh, you're going to screw up your thyroid and adrenal glands and basically imbalance your entire hormonal uh, system. The woman is nature, whereas, the, whereas man is the sun esoterically and symbolically yeah. speaking mm -hmm. woman being nature uh, thus has a need for the acquisition of carbohydrates and plants in her environment to build more feminine material voluptuousness whereas man is this linear stick do you get what i'm saying kind of yeah she's wants to be more earthy more robust. juicy more robust you know kind of yeah exactly yeah mm -hmm. and you look since time immemorial and the feminine deities and goddesses and yeah primitive classical traditional cultures are these big robust women it's because they in their superior uh instinctual wisdom understood that that is a fertile woman <laughs> that's uh, a healthy that's the one the boys woman. went after was the, those. that's the one the boys went after <laughs> so you have to look at it objectively are we more in tune with natural reality or were they those who were living with bare feet on the earth under the sun in a pristine environment yeah they yeah. knew what a healthy woman was you know so when you get too skinny and lean, especially for a female, which can happen on a diet like the carnivore diet, you just end up messing your hormones up. And so, so the ladies, in your opinion, if they can, would they just add more rice or beans or potatoes and stuff like that? Or what would they add to balance that out? Or the organ meats do it alone, adding the organs? If they want to eat raw brain, kidney, liver, yep. and all that, Go right ahead. That may work. That'll do it. <laughs> That'll do it. Like Inuit, yeah. you know, because the Inuit women are very strong and robust, but the amount of nutrition that they're getting from these wild caught seals and walruses, and then eating all those organs raw. Ooh. I mean, this is like hyper vitamin A, hyper protein, <laughs> hyper vitamin D, K. That'll work. That will build you. Most of the protein will turn to sugar. Even if you're eating just muscle meat. It's not going to work. So yeah, if they want to go Inuit style, that can work. If not, I would recommend um. Simply try to include carbohydrates which are ancestrally consistent with your genetic constitution. So where your peeps are from, where your grandma exactly. and grandpa and great-grandma are, where they're from, and, yeah. Yeah. Nearest ancestral relatives. <clears throat> there was, uh, the last time we tried to do um, an interview uh, and we got cut off, you yeah. had asked me there about uh, not having a need for carbohydrates. Yeah, that, that was my first question, and then the, and the, the internet guys shut us down or something. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Let's talk about um, that. I recently uh, uploaded a video about the Tarahumara Indians. Are you familiar with them? I have no idea. No. So they are a living indigenous tribe in northern Mexico. They live in this canyon in northern Mexico. And um, they are world renowned for being the greatest long-distance endurance athletes. In a single go, they can run 286 miles. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. it's incredible. Come on. And they are on 286 miles. 286 miles. Yeah, people can look them up. You'll find videos on them. I recently just uploaded a video on them. And they are on a 95% carbohydrate diet. Wow. This is indigenous squash and beans um, and mainly tortilla. Corn tortilla. And then they have a little bit of uh, white meat, like uh, chicken and rabbit, 5% of the diet. And then they'll have red meat, 
uh, in the, um, during ceremonies. They'll do a ceremonial mm-hmm. sacrifice and they'll have red meat, but it's rare. And so you see a culture like that thriving and doing very well. And they all have the the marvelous Western A price spaces. They have these broad dental arches and yeah. they've got the great teeth. They're fine. They're not malnourished at all. And, but then you imagine telling someone like that, that they have no need for carbohydrates in the diet. You're going to kill them. No, <laughs> You're going to make them really... You, you tell, I, I miss that. You tell people what about carbohydrates? If you, imagine if you were yeah. uh, consulting somebody with that kind of ancestry, right? And you were to tell them you have no need for carbohydrates in your diet. Go on a zero carb diet. Yeah, well, you're going to make them really sick. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of people like that. It's not just the Tarahumara Indians. There are many high carb indigenous people. The Pol- the Polynesians, all the uh, pe- Polynesian people of the Pacific Islands, they're on like sixty percent carbohydrate based diet. People from the Caucasus who are world-renowned for, you know, their longevity. They live to 130 very easy. They're like on a 60% carb diet, and they drink wine at every meal. Yeah. But they live to 130, 140 very easily. <laughs> and there's many like this. And well, I think people, what they like to do is they like to polarize to one extreme sure. or another. Yeah. No meat or no plants at all. Um, where the reality is that it's a lot more objective, and the truth was you good soil, fresh sun, it creates plants. You can eat the plants, let the animal eat the plants, and you can eat the animals as well. <laughs> it's that simple, you know? Get back to that pristine type of yeah. uh, environment and obtain foods from pristine environments. If so, one is going to, you know, take this to a, their own personal level and say, man, I'm just going to be a omnivore and I'm going to do everything organic and cool and I'll eat a little raw meat, some organs, and I'll eat a little rice, whatever. It, when you're doing that kind of a diet, is it possible to tell what is not working for you? In other words, how do you have a kind of a clinical experiment? I'm, you know what I'm asking is, I, you know. Um, there's some very easy gauges. Uh, <clears throat> first and foremost, um, how's your energy? Mm. Are you able to exercise? Are you able to do the things that you do want to do? Mm. I, for example, on a, on a low-carbohydrate diet, I can't go to the gym and work out for more than 10, 15 minutes before I'm blown out. I'm is- like, wow, I'm exhausted. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. But when I'm on a higher carbohydrate diet, I, I'm 31 years old now, and I can work out like I'm 18 when I'm on a higher carbohydrate diet. And so that's one thing. Hmm. The second thing is, um, if you're getting brain fog, or of course, any of the autoimmune symptoms, uh, your body's not agreeing with perhaps some of the plant products you may be consuming. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it wouldn't be wise to just neglect them and remove them all. Uh, maybe for a time it can be therapeutic, but it would be wise to try to reintroduce them again in an intelligent manner in which they are very digestible. For example, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. The foundation of my diet right now is wheatgrass juice and organic sourdough bread. <laughs> That's the foundation of my it. diet. Don't you love it? It's great. <laughs> can you imagine wheat? You know, yeah. and I love it. I, it. The reason why I do it is because it gives me the best energy. I've tried a thousand different things, and this is simply what Isn't I do best fun. on. I have some protein, some fat. I have lots of raw vegetation and sunflower sprouts with my bread and everything, many other things. But um, this sourdough bread, organic sourdough bread, is very different from all the commercial bread available on the market. If I eat any commercial bread, I get extreme brain fog. I start shedding hair, and I have insomnia for a day. It tears me apart. Um, also, this uh, the sourdough whole wheat bread that I eat now, five, six years ago when I was first getting into health, 
when I had tried consuming this type of bread, I was reacting to it as well. Because I because my intestines were degraded and torn apart from commercial food and lifestyle. However, over the course of years, by building, rebuilding my body, I can now tolerate and absorb and process healthy carbohydrates from things like wheat. Sourdough wheat, if that makes sense. Yes. And uh, for example, my book, Nutritional Fortification and Physical Development, really revolves around this idea. I can touch on it. If um, you are an individual who cannot tolerate any plant foods, this is most likely due to your uh, microvilli being destroyed, the gut flora being destroyed, and you're just having too many sensitivities and reactions to any type of plant fiber which comes through your gut. You may go on a 100% carnivore diet, and because meat is not fibrous, you're not going to have any reactions to the meat food. However, if you want to get to a, pl- a place to where you can tolerate plant foods again, you cannot do it on a carnivore diet. The reason being is you need to synthesize microvilli, the production and regeneration of microvilli in your intestines, the mucus lining, as well as fat and collagen in your digestive tract. You need to make it robust again so that it can tolerate plant fiber. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And you, and you can only do that on a diet which is focused on nutritional fortification, which requires carbohydrates. It's very difficult to synthesize protein and fat if you're on a no-carb diet. There's a guy named Sean Stone. People can look him up. Sean Stone, carnivore diet. And he has a, a vlog uh, or an internet blog. And he talks about his experiments with the carnivore diet. And this guy's a huge bodybuilder. And in his article, he states how he's on about four different types of steroids, anabolic steroids. He's a bodybuilder. And he's on the carnivore diet. And after several months on the carnivore diet, he could not gain a single pound. Not a single pound. So if your digestive tract is destroyed, you need to gain weight. You need to synthesize protein and fat within the body, fat around the organs, subcutaneous fat. You need to rebuild the body. And again, on a zero-carb diet, even if you're on steroids, and this guy was trying to gain weight, it's simply not going to happen. Wow. You're not going to rebuild the intestinal lining. And what do you think are some of the best carbs if people are in this situation, which I think I am a little, I know I need some more carbs, the best ones to have, to try, to experiment with? The, you know, the best, <clears throat> you're, I'm assuming you're of Northern European descent. Yes, yeah, Northern European. Um, I would go with potatoes, carrots hmm. and honey i would start there okay yeah and i would have things like honey and butter like a teaspoon of honey and a teaspoon of butter in combination yes throughout the day so that you can put on fat within the body uh, within and around the body huh. your body will burn the sugar for fuel but it will store the butter as fat and that's the thing a lot of these people who have these autoimmune symptoms these autoimmune disorders uh they lack fat in the digestive tract. They lack mucous membrane in the digestive tract. And the microvilli are destroyed. So you need to bring back in building material. Okay. If you're only eating butter, your body will use the butter for fuel, but there won't be enough to store on the body. The body won't be able to store it on. But if you have it in the presence of a carbohydrate like honey, the body will prioritize burning the honey while storing the butter. Thus, it's nutritional fortification. You're building the body. Oh, so it uses the honey for the, the mojo and it will store up the... The butter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So that's a good one. So fat and honey 
together. What's something else? Oh, you said carrots and potatoes, right? Yeah, cooking carrots and potatoes, and and then you want to have them with protein and fat. Yeah. yeah. Now, a lot of people may say this is insane. When he's talking about consuming carbs and fats together. How about the Krebs cycle? Da, 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 da. When you're, you know, if you're a diabetic and you have blood sugar problems, uh, then sure, at that point, it would be wise to prioritize one fuel over the other until you can rebalance your hormones and become insulin sensitive again. But to build the body, uh, you need to be you need to have the presence of one fuel which you can oxidize and another fuel which you can store. And in young age, and especially if you're healthy, that's okay to to break the Krebs cycle like that. Now, if your focus and priority was no, I'm going to run an endurance uh, marathon, or I need to go take a test and study, I need excellent mental function. Sure, uh, like for this interview, I'm just having teaspoons of ghee. Mm-hmm. You know, the almond formula. And so I'm having the fats from my brain. I'm not having any sugar or carbs. I'm not having any brain fog. But that's for that purpose, for mental clarity and energy. But to build the body is a total different subject. So we need carbs to build the body. We need carbs yeah. to build the yeah. body. And so if we see these young, younger, young, you know, these younger guys with all these muscles, carnivore, mm-hmm. you know, who knows how long they could do this is what you're suggesting. I mean, you know, show me what's going to happen when you're 60 or 70, maybe. Yeah, and um, did they build that physique on the carnivore diet or were they already there? Hard to know. Right? And then just yeah. went carnivore, maybe lost a little bit of fat. But once you have built the physique, it can be easier to sustain, but it's going to be almost impossible to build the body. If there's any of these carnivore advocates out there, I'd like to, them to experiment on their children, put their five-year-old children on a carnivore diet, and let's see how they develop. Mm. I would bet they'd be very skinny would not develop properly. Mm. And another thing, the okay. physique building, we do live in a very decadent capitalistic age. We live in a, <laughs> a decline of, I of major... Yeah, you've noticed. And um, uh, the use of steroids is very, very prevalent. Many won't admit it, but if they're flexing their physique online and you're at, any of us are admiring it, they're using steroids and testosterone. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So how important, if one likes the muscle meat, a ribeye or something, raw versus cooked? Is it pretty, pretty significant difference? It can be. And um, the way that I recommend for most people, if they don't want to just go fully raw, my, in my own personal experience, the, the raw is much more potent and stronger. Um, it can get very annoying, though, doing that day in and day out because it's a neutral food. It tastes like nothing. It doesn't yeah. taste bad or good, you know. Um, uh, a middle ground is to basically barbecue it. Barbecue your meat and uh, only heat it up to the point where the core of the meat that you're barbecuing reaches a temperature that will burn the skin on your finger. And as long as you have that going for a minute, and if you're afraid of bacteria, bacteria, it will die off. But at least at that point, if you remove it off the coals or off of the um, the wood fire grill that you're cooking it on, you still have much of the nutrition intact. It's warm, it's full of the blood, and it's juicy. And that also tastes the best. And so when people say we evolved cooking meat, I would say it was actually that way. We were sitting around campfires and burning the meat yeah. over the campfire, and then you know, it was basically looked raw still, but it was just warm and juicy and it opened up the protein fibers and made the nutrients more bioavailable. But when you're cooking it on a metal pan 
and dark roasting it, that's a that's now going to something else. Especially when it's very dry meat, you know, yeah, and, uh, yeah. most of the time when meat is cooked, it's very dry. Well, it, the nutrition is dead. Much of the nutrition is dead. Mm-hmm. I, for example, if I go to like a, I like Indian food. I'll eat Indian food occasionally, and I like their chicken curries. But I can't have more than like a small handful of the meat because it just it's it sits like a rock in my stomach because they cook it. So they just much. cook it so much. Yeah. But when I barbecue, the way that I do, I can have a pound and a half, two pounds of meat in one sitting. Really? Because it just goes down so easy and assimilates so easy. Wow. Yeah. So you can do it in a, in a, I guess, virus in a iron skillet. It's just more difficult. You got to be real careful, right? Because it's careful cook, enough to do it. Yeah, and cook juice. pretty quick. Yeah, it'll just. Yeah. Yeah. I have one of those little thermometers. Any idea what it should be on the inside? <laughs> no, I, mm. I'm not sure about that. Let's yeah. keep it bloody and juicy and stuff. Bloody and juicy, bloody, juicy, and warm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. You know, I was I was playing around with doing some some stew in the in the in the, um, in the pot. You know, like the crock pot thing with carrots and celery and onions and and um, and, um, and meat. And boy, I did good with that. My body really liked that. It was like you know, it just felt really. Yeah, this is good. You know, stew. Yeah. And I think that those stews, they also have their, their role and function. Mm-hmm. Boiling meat, in a sense. Um, like, for example, when you're trying to make a gelatin soup, like collagen soup from uh, gelatinous cuts, that also has its function and purpose. Sure, sure. Yeah. I guess on the stew thing, you could put in the meat almost last and just not cook the pants off it, too, you know, right? Yeah. Let all the vegetables cook, things like that. Um Here's an email from Shelly. Thanks for having Varys on. I am 45. I just don't know what to eat these days. I try keto. I try carnivore. I'm trying a little bit of everything. Listen to Patrick's show, but I'm dazed and confused. Um, but she, she, she says she's really having trouble with her periods, and they're just off and on, off and on. <sighs> if she goes to any extreme, she'll have that issue. If she goes with no carbohydrate or no meat, she'll have that issue. Mm. She needs the full spectrum of nutrition. Um, I would advise her to look at her cultural background, find the carbohydrates that they were consuming, and slowly start to inc- incorporate those in addition to protein and fat. Um, also, uh, for most people, because we're not drinking blood like the Inuit in the net. Uh, you need some form of raw, uh, structured water, whether it be from raw milk or vegetable juices or fresh open coconuts. Um, for a woman's menstruation and for men's hormones as well, there's the need for structured water in the body. The filtered water from the bottles doesn't do it. The body can't recognize that too well at all. It just passes through the urinary tract. Um, so that would be my advice. Ancestrally consistent carbs, good protein and fat, and make sure you're getting some structured water in so, for proper home. So the raw milk um, is actually structured water, you're calling that virus? It's structured water? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and structured, are you familiar with that term, structured water? I am, yeah. yeah. Okay, like easy water. Easy uh, water. Dr. Michael Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in a sense, basically, uh, all hydrated matter from the natural world um, is structured by the earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars. It has this natural inherent intelligence memory uh, uh, memory of itself. The water running down a river uh, in the mountains uh, 
picks up memory as it goes through the glaciers and mm -hmm. as it curves around uh, the bends and the turns and it hits the rocks. It picks up memory. It's structured. It's a uh, um, it picks up minerals. It picks up the the DNA and identity of the mountains it's running through. Uh, an apple, which grows from an apple tree, has its identity intact. The water is a living biological uh, uh, matrix, which our uh, biological matrix, the body, can readily recognize and absorb. Uh, milk is also uh, one such example. The cow grazes on grasses and converts those grasses into dairy products. Um now, what we are drinking for the most part, the tap water, that stuff goes through multiple filtration processes. It's exposed to UV radiation and then put in a bottle water. And the end product of that is actually a dead, denatured, destructured water because it's been so filtered and so treated that the body simply cannot recognize it, if that makes sense. Yes. Wow. Making sense here. Yeah. So... For since the beginning of time, our bodies and every single biological creature on this planet was uh, obtaining hydration from the environment, which was not uh, denatured or perverted or anything like that. It was um, living water in a sense. Carn carnivorous animals they get it from the blood that they drink from the animal that they hmm. that they uh, hunt. Um, herbivorous animals get it from the raw grasses, weeds, and herbs, which they chew up, and they get the, the green liquid juice that's inside of it there. Um, human cultures, traditionally, for the most part, they would um, either find springs, drink out of a river, uh, raw dairy. We, you know, as pastor, uh, nomadic pastoralists, we were drinking a lot of raw dairy, uh, or they were drinking blood. Hmm. Oftentimes, also, they, like there's a lot of tribes in Africa that do this. They'll find like roots and tubers and starches. They'll bring them out and they'll start squeezing the liquid out of them and they'll start drinking the liquid out of the tubers and starches. So that is what's normal. And that is a very important component to health, especially for hormonal function, finding some type of living water, wow. structured water. I wonder, do you have any ideas? Do you think? Because what I'm drinking now is the hydrogen. You think that's doing the job? I'm, I'm taking rainwater and filtering it really nicely that I'm using this hydrogen machine. Have you any, I wonder what it's doing. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah I'm not I, sure. I'm not, I'm not I'll show familiar. you a picture of it. It's it's a molecular hydrogen that's made in Japan. And it's, I, I wonder, how would you know if it's structuring it properly? Hmm, I don't know. I would say it's very difficult to replicate what the Earth, the Sun, the Moon, and the stars do. Yeah, right. Because ultimately, the structuring is, you know, the whole system. So, but so if we're going to drink any kind of water, and we could do the hydrogen water for other, you know, benefits. But if we are there machines that structure it, I mean, where are we going to get this spring water? And nobody, you know, who has a spring? You know, well, what do you do? Drink raw milk. Yeah. Yeah, you can do raw milk, or you can do vegetable juices, celery and cucumber juices. Okay. And that's all structured water because the plant is structuring it. So you can do fresh-pressed juices. Uh, fruit juices are structured water, but it's not smart because of the high sugar content. Yeah, a lot of sugar, huh? A lot of sugar, carrots and apples and all that stuff. So I think that something like celery and cucumber juice are the, the wisest. Hmm. Uh, and the only uh, brand, the water, only water bottle brand, which I have noticed can hydrate me, and I've tried hundreds and none of them hydrate me. The only one that actually hydrates me is Fiji, 
Fiji, Fiji water. Ah, yeah. Expensive. It's rich people water and costs an arm and a leg, but it works. It's an amazing source of uh, even in, even in I, the bottle right, that you buy at the store. Yeah, I believe the uh, who was who's the aluminum guy. Um, actually, you know, actually, out of Europe, he's done all these studies on aluminum poisoning. Actually, and he said on a show we did a couple years ago with him that the Fiji water has got the goods in the water that gets rid of the the aluminum in the body. It's probably because it's so full of minerals. Huh? That's what it is, trace minerals inside the water that can mobilize. Yeah, it's, it's got some kind of thing in the Fiji water that gets rid of... Uh, you, can, hmm. you can taste it. You can taste the trace minerals inside that water, and you can taste that. It's, it, it, it actually tastes like something, whereas like most bottled water tastes like uh, this empty, void liquid going through you, you know? Whereas the Fiji has a, a distinct, flavorful taste to it. Uh, I guess I could put the Fiji water in my hydrogen and then make the hydrogen in the Fiji water. <laughs> I could do that. You could do that. And see, yeah. there's something that that Robert Cesar has. If you know who he is, I, I, I've heard of him. Yeah, years ago we talked to him. Mm-hmm. He he has this thing. I've seen it, and I haven't experimented with it yet. But he, but it basically like whirls the water in a whirlpool. It's like this glass machine. Yeah, and supposed that's supposed to structure it. I don't know the effectiveness of it, but I am interested in experimenting with it soon. And then, but you can tell, you're sensitive enough, you can tell that when you're drinking water and it's not hydrating you, what are some, what are some uh, things that you see or feel that you know you're not being hydrated? Um, so with uh, proper water, immediately better mental clarity and better physical function. Uh, and you feel like if I go a long time without drinking proper water and then I do consume it, uh, within the first few sips, I feel energy, electromagnetic energy running up and down my body, hmm. almost as if I'm being recharged. Um, further, uh, when I am uh, drinking a lot of structured water, um, all of my urination has uh, lymphatic uh, fluid and cooked food metabolites in it. So I know that my body is using the raw water to replace the the uh, the old water that's inside of my body, which is uh, where the cooked food metabolites may be stored. Whereas if I only have like bottled water that's not structured, my urine is simply always clear. There's nothing in it. My body's not able to absorb it and utilize it in order to remove um, waste product. Hmm. But with structured water, I'm always removing waste product from my body. Even the Fiji in- doesn't Fiji doesn't do that. Fiji does it. Does it? Fiji does it. So, yeah. So and the, the, of course, the green vegetable juices do it the yeah. best. So the color, is it, I, I always thought the color was the idea that um, if it gets too, too color, then we need to drink more water, but that's not true, is it? Um, All the time? If, so, yes, it is true, but I'm um, referring to something a little bit different. Okay. Uh, I'm referring to uh, limb. Have you ever seen people do like lymphatic detoxes where they go on like a complete fruit fast or water no. fast and they start urinating? It? You haven't seen those? No. Oh, I've got to do a video on this. So basically, <clears throat> and this is mainly the fruitarian cult that I learned this from. And uh, what they do is they go on a, like a 100% raw fruit diet, like mono, even do like mono meals of grapes for several days and weeks. And they'll collect their urine inside of a mason jar or plastic bottle. Mm-hmm. And for the first day or two, it's just clear urine. It can be yellow or it can be white. But by the third day, uh, 
what they'll find in the in the the bottled water of urine where they urinate into is that there's um a whole bunch of sediment at the bottom of the bottle like literally it looks like sand really and over the days you start uh, releasing more and more of this sand and sediment and according to dr robert morse who uh really teaches this that's all a uh, lymphatic fluid which is now being drained from the body through the kidneys because the kidneys have opened up. Hmm. We're all so clogged, all our organs are so clogged, we can't remove these waste products. And what this ends up leading to is uh, when you're not able to drain them, um, uh, it leads to tumors, which is in the lymphatic uh, system itself. So his idea, and I do buy it, is that tumors are a backup of the lymphatic or sewage system of the body. And that the only way to remove the tumors, if you're not going to do it surgically, um, rebounding and sweating, hmm. or you open up the kidneys on a 100% raw diet, could be raw vegetable juices or fruit, and you start letting the kidneys filter the lymphatic system. Hmm. And so uh, I had done things like that. I'm 200 pounds now, and you know, I bought into the fruitarian thing many years ago, and I dropped to 110 pounds. I was really skinny. You know, my mother thought I was on like meth or something. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm eating bananas. <laughs> you know? I'm not doing drugs, mom. I'm okay. <laughs> and so I had opened up my kidneys. And now I do filter very well, but I have to have the presence of some raw structured water in my diet for my body to be uh, able to perpetually uh, release lymphatic fluid through my kidneys when I urinate. Wow, that's fascinating. That's So if the urine is really, really colorless, that means that the water is not doing its thing. Yeah, and if it's clear, there should be sediment inside yeah. of when you urinate. There should be small sediment that you see inside the toilet. And that is the cooked food metabolites leaving. Then you need the, the raw structured water to do that. Mm. Mm. Have you ever done urine therapy where you drink your pee? No, I, I, I've not gone that far. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm okay with the vegetable juices, though. <laughs> <laughs> I do that every morning. I take a hit. I don't know why. I just do it. <laughs> Splash it on my face. <clears throat> it's kind of good for your uh, face, your skin. Um there, we're talking with Varus Aman. <laughs> and so the vegetable juices you like are celery, cucumber, fave. And then I'll squeeze some lemon and I'll put some parsley juice. I'll juice parsley in there as well. And then, of course, I'll get the the feared oxalate foods, the high oxalate oh. foods. I'll get spinach and kale sometimes, right? <laughs> and I don't overdo it. I just put a, some of it inside the juicer and I'll have like a nice green juice and um, uh-huh. lemon to flavor it. And uh, it helps me so much. Yeah. It's been so long since I had juices. I really need to try that. I don't even know where my juicer is. I'm going to have to dig around in my cabinets. You know, it's in here somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny how we go with these different things, isn't it? Up and down. And oh, my God. Okay, stay right there. Let's do a quick little break here. Bear with Ahmed. If you have a question for him, uh, please uh, join us. Patrick had one radio network.com. One of these days, we're going to get our phones back. One of these days. This is a great product. I like this one. Uh, Check it out. For my first meal of the day, I like to make a blended drink, and I'm always basing my blended drinks around colostrum. Colostrum adds so much creamy flavor and texture that if you don't have it, smoothies start to seem a little bit watery to me. Now I'm gonna be combining it with a bunch of other ingredients, but it really is the all-star. Colostrum has so many health benefits. Probably it's best known for its effects on the immune system. There's actually an article in PubMed showing colostrum to be three times more effective 
against flu and flu symptoms than flu vaccines are, even in high-risk patients. It's incredible for fighting flu and other viral-type infections. It's also really good for building lean muscle mass. In fact, it contains all 89 of the known mammalian growth factors. It's also very good for the gut lining. So people who suffer from things like Crohn's, IBS, uh, leaky gut syndrome, a lot of those folks are using colostrum in the regenerative process to heal and restore their gut lining. And one of the things I love about it is that it's a complete food. So colostrum contains everything a mammal needs to thrive. It contains all of the essential amino acids. It contains all of the essential lipids or fats. It contains all of the essential glyconutrients. Those are essential sugars that we need for our immune function. So it's got all of that and all those growth factors, which means this is really a complete food for human beings or for any other mammals. tastes great, it's got the fuel I need to get through the day, and it's got all those added health benefits thanks to the colostrum too. He has a lot of, a lot of great products, and uh, I like the digestive bitters. I just took a, took a, took a hit of ghee. He's got this guy, <coughs> excuse me, digestive bitters. Viruses got me all geed up. I couldn't find my honey, though. I was going to do both of them. Uh, check it out. It's on oneradionetwork.com. Is uh, digestive bitters and all these great things from, from Sir Thrival. You know, there's a lot, a lot of uh, fascinating things going on in the world of money. And um, you, you know what it is, right? Uh, one of the, the best ways that we know to kind of hedge hedge your bets when it comes to the dollar and what is going to happen and this whole great great reset. And it's just crazy land out there. We don't know what's going to go on. And uh, we think that uh, getting some gold and silver is a good idea just to kind of, you know, trust in God and tie your camel up there. And I've known Fred, who, who runs this company, Fred Dashevsky, for, uh, gosh, 25 years now. He's a really good guy, good man. And uh, he'll treat you right. He won't ever try to sell you something that, you know, you don't need or want. He'll take time to talk to you. Call him at 800-878-2646. 800-878-2646. And, uh, you know, tell him your situation, what kind of cash flow you got, what do you want, what do you want to do. And you can do things from just um, pre-1965 uh, dimes, quarters, and halves. That they call that currency silver. Some people call it junk silver, but that's not a good thing. It's not chunky. It's actually silver. And or, or you can get the more fancy numismatic coins, and some of those can go from you know two thousand dollars to a hundred thousand. If you're going to get one of those hundred thousand dollar coins, get get me one, will you? Just boy, that gee, man, it's just. Kind of got in my throat. Okay, so uh, here's the number is 800-878-2646. I should probably go downstairs and get a glass of milk or something. That'll probably help me out. Can't even talk. Let me do this. Sorry. Live radio or whatever we got here. It'll make you crazy. I'm crazy already.
Let me do this. I need to go downstairs and get something. I think I'll get some goat's milk. How about that? That'll do it. Previously, with our friend Brandon Amalani of Shen Blossom. A good example of this also is like the Hoshiwu formula. Mm. That is, um, mm. That's a new one that came out. It's, it's really good because it's a blood builder. A lot of people don't understand that Hoshiwu is actually toxic if it's not prepared correctly. Um, so I wanted to come out with one that not only features the Hoshiwu as the king herb in the formula, but it's prepared of a minimum of 14 days. Usually we try and get 20, 21 days of cooking it. So you can think of it as like it's in a slow cooker with black beans. Huh. Um, and it's basically just cooking down and deactivating some of those liver toxic compounds. So we do use that as like the bulk of the formula, but we basically put a lot of like mature ginseng root, like in our root extract, we have the fermented hydrolyzed pearl powder, reishi stem, and it's got shuri hong, which is like a Romania type family. We got both the prepared warm stuff and then the cool stuff to kind of balance it out in the sense so it doesn't become sticky. If you get a good quality hoshiwu that's properly prepared, it definitely has some invigorating qualities to it and makes you feel relaxed, but yet fully vigorous and energized. Now, that's the kind of hoshiwu that you would like, right? Really nice products, as you can hear. If you'd like to order hoshiwu or the other products, click on Shen Blossom right there on the front page, OneRadioNetwork.com. Okay, man, I'm getting my life together here, boy. Watch out, boy. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. What happened to Varys? We lost him. We just got a little V. Oh, there. (laughs) There you are. Here I'm kind of having a hard time eating my ghee and we losing you and it's just life. So mm-hmm. there, there are actually cultures that you say get, they, they, they kind of have a lot of, um, a lot of this goat's milk or raw milk. They just, they, they, they do a lot of it. Oh, there's <clears throat> a lot. Yeah. So I mean, you have the afar and the, um, um samburu and the maasai and they they aren't on goat's milk it's a lot of it's like uh it's cow milk and it's a 60 percent uh raw milk diet wow but aside from that um i want to give an example of what this type of dairy diet does okay. i have a video on my channel called uh, the nourishment of warrior races okay of course, YouTube demonetized it. They don't like this kind of stuff <laughs> for your race. Right. right. Um, and my book, The Disease of Kings, also kind of dives into this subject. But um, in my observation, the cultures who have managed to consume a lot of raw dairy or who were pastoralist nomads and were on a predominantly uh, animal foods-based diet um, with much of that coming in the form of raw dairy and cheeses, butter. Um, for some reason, these people uh, have been perennial conquerors throughout history. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Wesley Price, he wrote about the um, the Maasai, and he wrote about how their diets were different from the surrounding tribes around them, who were more so uh, agrarian people, um, such as the Bantu. And he wrote how the Maasai dominated all the neighboring tribes and how they had a superior uh, 
intelligence, but also uh, a superior form of physical development in contrast to the agrarian people who so had very little animal products. Wow. So that's very interesting. Weston A. Price mentions that. But uh, as I'm a historian myself, with most of my focus actually being on uh, Asia, mm-hmm. uh, something I came to uh, notice many years ago, and I didn't connect the dots till much later, was that there's a region called the Steppe. The Eurasian steppe, which uh, in the West can stretch as far as Ukraine and Hungary. And it stretches across Central Asia, across of, uh, Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. and goes into Mongolia uh, in northern China. It's a grassland. And this area has been inhabited by various different peoples throughout history. Uh, at current times, they're mainly Turkic people, Turkic and Mongolian people. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2,000 years ago, it was mainly Iranian people or who referred to themselves as the Aryan people. Uh, they were um, Aryans. I mean, you can't use the term, but that's the what Ar- they call the them. Aryan race, right. Aryan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and the, uh, though they have been replaced by the modern Turks in this region, the lifestyle and culture is the same. And what it is, is these they, they are these pastoralist nomads of people, uh, tribal nomadic confederations and tribes, who herd uh, their, their animals to new grasses. They graze on grasses, and they live predominantly uh, off of the dairy of those animal products. Hmm. In conjunction with uh, the protein and fat from the animals when they do slaughter them, and they have some of it raw and some of it cooked. Um, and they live in tents for the most part. They are they had lived in tents for the most part. And for some reason, you find these people coming south into the known world or into Europe, such as like Attila the Hun, and perennially, almost like on a on a centurial basis, every hundred years, conquering all the known civilizations, <laughs> and establishing their own dynasties. So much for the vegetarian thing, making you you know more more docile, right? Drinking all this raw yeah. milk. <laughs> yeah, literally, and and. I was like, why is this? What is going on? And I'm sure that the horse riding lifestyle, sure. living, living in teepees, that has a lot to do with it. But I would argue that the diet is a major component. When you, for example, look mm. at like the Turkey nomads today, you can look up a documentary, and I have video on my own channel showing them. These are very strong people, mm. extremely strong people. You can just look at them and uh, you can recognize it. Um, and so I'm assuming, you know, when they would come into like, Attila the Hun, when he came in and uh, sacked the Roman Empire, they were an agrarian-based army at the time, an agrarian-based people. Uh, every time these uh, Eurasian people would come into like India, you know, India is very agrarian, or they'd come into Iran and Central Asia, or they'd go into the Middle East, they were conquering and dominated uh, agrarian civilizations. They'd established their own royal dynasties, of which there were dozens throughout history, and then they would become the new rulers, but over the course of a hundred years, they would uh, abandon their traditional nomadic animal-based diet foods lifestyle, which was dairy. Dairy is a very important component. And they would integrate into the cosmopolitan, settled, urban civilization and culture of the people they conquered. And they patronized the arts and the sciences, and they'd build these museums, they'd build royal palaces, they'd build mosques when they became Muslims and fire temples. And they start eating a lot of cooked grains and spices and oils. And in time, uh, my theory and what I have seen is that they would go through a generational degeneration the way that Dr. Pottinger's cats did in his Mm -hmm. cat studies. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They become uh, weak and docile. And within a hundred years, a whole new tribe of nomads from that same region would come in turn to dominate them. And it's just this constant cycle that you see in the history of Asia, especially. Fascinating! Wow, wow. Is there a big difference between cow's milk, goat's milk, camel milk? Um, from what I understand, is that the cow's milk is better if you want to put on weight. Is it in size? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and another important factor to all of this is, though, if you're going to do um, a lot of dairy, it's smarter to ferment much of it as well. Yeah, I've been doing the kefir. Like kefir. Yeah, yeah, the kefir grains and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's better to keep keep that kefir thing going, huh? Yeah, and it'll just make sure that the, the you don't develop any type of allergies to the the proteins inside of the milk solids. You can uh-huh. at that point, if you establish proper gut flora that's based off of like the kefir grains, uh, you'll be able to handle not just the raw milk better, but all dairy Everything. in general. Everything better. Everything. Yeah, yeah. There's a fellow up in uh, Amish group up in Burdenhand, Pennsylvania. You probably heard of them, Amos Miller Organic Farms, and I get uh, some. A2 milk from him. It's really good stuff. I mean, it's really thick. I don't, they must have a lot of grass up there, man, because it's like... Oh, yeah. Uh, and then yeah. you can get the raw cream, and that stuff's like heaven. I mean, it's like so thick, it's hard to get out of the jar. I mean, it's really... And I think I put on a few pounds just eating a couple jars of that that raw cream, you know? Pretty fun. Yeah. Pretty fun. Yeah. <clears throat> it's great. Um do you know, we, we interviewed a fellow, Kanabi, do you know Kanabi and the whole seed oil thing? Do you know him? He's got this whole book on, on seed oils and the, the problems with getting uh, these seed oils with a high omega-6 and oleic acid kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is is that familiar to you and the dangers of this omega-6 stuff, getting too many omega-6? Um, <clears throat> the way that I view it in my perception on this is that it's not so much a problem of the omega-6 or omega-3 it's a problem of quality and rancidity Mm. the 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 hundreds of people who are uh, known for being centenarians they live in the mountains between afghanistan and pakistan they've been studied extensively Um, they consume an omnivorous diet but a uh, significant part of their diet is fresh apricot kernel oil, which is a seed oil. And they drizzle this stuff all over their food and eat it. How be done. But they are stone pressing it yeah. on site in their villages. Yeah. And that kind of oil is going to be better than anything you can buy in the market. Anything, sure. Anything. So when you know when you look at it from this perspective, omega-3, <laughs> 6, 9, or whatever the heck you want to call it, it doesn't matter. Right. Get the best quality you can and get the fats in. <laughs> That's right. Because I mean there's no such thing as really cold pressed. They use friction and heat and God knows what they use, you know, for these oils, right? Yeah. 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 That's why animal fats can be a little bit they, they are a lot better in our situation because it's gonna be much more difficult to uh, source high quality seed oils like Hunza apricot kernel oil than it would be to source cream, pastured cream or pastured butter. Yeah. Ghee, good quality ghee. Yeah, yeah. And you get good quality ghee online. I buy mine. It's a really nice one. It's all grass fed and grass finished from Amish people up there. They're really, it's really good stuff, man. It's like it's some of the best stuff. Huh? It's like yeah. it's like great. Um, 
OneRadioNetwork.com with Baris Ahmad. And um, so I wonder, though, when we look at these, I like it that you look at all the historic things, and it gives me some ideas of, but do, do, is it changed a lot, though, when we get into more civilized areas with all the stuff that we're dealing with? Do we have to make adjustments for that? Like we live in, yeah, you know, um, you know what I mean. You live in California right now. It's like, come on, you should probably have a, you know, a beekeeper suit on so you don't get stung by the woke people. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How, they'll, over here, they'll hang you. This, yeah. this is, you know, the yeah. fascist over here. I know it's crazy. It's crazy land out there. Um, yeah, but your question, yeah, do we adjust? Yeah, to adapt to, you know, to this. Yeah, and uh, especially for us because. Um, there's never been a culture or civilization which has been as uh, domesticated and removed from the land mm. as much as our modern global commercial yeah, culture. Yeah, And that is why we have so many uh, health movements, and that is why I am on this channel speaking with you. We're trying to figure it out. How the hell do we adapt and survive? To this, everything, and, right? Everything we got going. To this thing, the, the Kali Yuga, I like to refer to it. It is the Kali Yuga. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Kali Yuga, it's yeah. Kali Yuga land, baby. Hang <laughs> <laughs> on, as we you know compost into uh, <laughs> the end of this dark age. <laughs> We're just being composted in the Kali Yuga, maybe I don't know. God. Yeah. So there's you know and, and um, <clears throat> you don't have a farm. I mean, the best you can do is just try to source the best quality you can. Yeah. Things like growing your own sprouts or like wheatgrass, which I explained earlier, is a very smart thing to do and supplement your diet with that. Um, but I think certain things are um, irreplaceable, such as the use of saunas. Yeah. Yeah, in my opinion, uh, over these last, how long have I been into this for now? Uh, Ten years that I've been into health. If I had everything I did, if I didn't have saunas included, I would have made not a tenth of the progress. Is that it's right? Very I talk yeah, about them all no the time, Varus. I do it every day. We sell a sauna. It's great. Far infrared. Really? You had that I much? was autistic at one point. I don't know if I told you. No, but you I, didn't. I received too many vaccines from the military. I was working with them in 2011, Whoa. 2012. Each of us were supposed to get 40, 44 vaccines. I got 88. Whoa. They put me through the system twice and gave me 88 vaccines. They ended up becoming autistic within a year and a half, two years after. And um, <clears throat> I couldn't function. Like I was aware of myself, but I simply couldn't put thought into word. And I... And I got into health. I had a you could you could say I saw Jesus. I had a spiritual vision. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said no, I'm going to try to fix this. And um, wow. lo and behold, actually sweating in raw milk uh, is what worked. Sweating in raw milk. Uh, but yeah, there's no way that I could um, have made any progress without sweating. I and mean, even now, I'm fairly clean. I've been doing these uh, the sauna sessions now for seven eight years. And if I go into a city for a day, and I come back. <clears throat> my body will spend a week or two trying to remove and detox all the pollution that I bioaccumulated in the city, spending just a few hours there. And I'll have insomnia and headaches unless I go into the sauna and expedite the process and yeah. I'll get rid of it in a day. Last time so, I talked to Brian Clement, he said he saunas every day, every day. Yeah, every. I learned it from him. Actually. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. told me that. Yeah, we do too. We have a great one that we sell and it's it gets hot too. I think ours goes at 150, 160. It it's oh, well. yeah it gets up there baby It'll, you'll get hot in that sucker, and we've seen some studies too that show that not only does this you know you get sweat all over, but then the kidneys can detox more 
uh, toxic metals too, just being in the sauna. Have you seen that? Where uh, yeah, more stuff comes out of the in the urine after you sauna. Isn't that cool? Oh yeah, and I see it when I do urinate. I see the the sediment you can see uh, in my urine. I see that I'm detoxing, and especially if I'm having like the proper structured water, vegetable juices in my diet, it's just that much stronger. After a sauna session, the first urination I have, a lot of stuff will come out. We also had a fellow. I think I have the audio. And he was talking about some Swedish studies where they they looked at the amount of people, the amount of uh, times you did a sauna per week increased cardiovascular health with each, with each sauna. Actually, if you did it five times a week, you have better cardiovascular health than if you did it three times a week. And that really pretty good studies too, not just um, make-believe. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It makes sense, you know, forcing your body to circulate the blood like that, uh-huh. and the heart pumping and eat. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you do you drink a lot more water because of the saunas, or can you do it with raw milk? And Oh, yeah, no, you have to. Uh, that was a mistake I had made at one point. I ended up getting too dehydrated. Yeah. Uh, if you are going to be, in my opinion, if you're going to be doing these things uh, several times a week, um, you do want to supplement with a good electrolyte supplement. And if you can then put that in structured water, it'll it'll take you a long way and it'll protect you from dehydration. Because that is a danger when you're sweating too much. Mm-hmm. It can really stress out your kidneys if you don't have enough electrolytes and fluids. Mm-hmm. From Peter, does oh, I think we've already covered this, but I'll ask, does your guest know of any machine that would be good at structuring water? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've seen a few. I don't know if they work. You know, I just it's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't experimented with anything myself, but uh, there are some fancy-looking things, you know, <laughs> like the whirlpool I mentioned earlier, and I don't know what it's called, but I have to experiment with it and see if it actually works. Yeah, the best machine is a juicer. You get it right out of the celery and cucumber. So that's your two faves. You keep mentioning those viruses: celery and cucumber, huh? Because it's a lot of fluid. You have good natural salt and electrolytes, and it's low in sugar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what. Um, Sam wants to know, does Varus eat much fruit? He doesn't mention it very often. Yeah, it's a good question. You're a fruit guy? No, not at all. Too, no, really? Too much sugar? Hardly. It's my candy. I'll have it maybe once in a blue moon. I For two reasons. When I went fruitarian, I had a horrible experience and it scared the hell out of me from fruit. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to meetings now, right? I was a fruitarian. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible experience that was. Um, and I, I thought that when it was breaking me down, although it was draining my lymphatic fluid, it was also demineralizing me and just really breaking my body apart. Mm-hmm. And I was under the impression that it was all detox because that is what the fruitarian cult insisted on, even though they all look like heroin addicts too. I just was too young and naive at the time. <laughs> <Hero>. <laughs> See it. And then I saw uh, a Brian Clement lecture, Sugar, the Kiss of Death. Mm. One of the best lectures I've seen on health and nutrition on YouTube. Really? And he basically talks about how after, uh, you know, they're the world's oldest natural health institute and they're a vegan health institute, but they have zero fruit in the diet. Zero. And the reason being is because, yeah, zero fruit and a vegan institute. And the reason being is that they do blood work. They perform blood work on all of their guests and patients, if you want to call them, that come in through their institute. And I think they've had over 300,000 people at this point over the last five or six decades, wow. five decades. And they found consistently that those who had fruit in their diet would heal slower or would regress. 
And that when they would remove fruit from the diets of the people who walked into their institute, they'd all get better. And mm. they came to the conclusion that fruit sugar, though it's natural, will still feed disease and still damages and ages the body. And even now, like I can do like a, I can mix rice, meat, a little like a salad, uh, vegetable, a little uh, tomato and cucumber salad. I can have butter and ghee. I can do so many different things, wheat in a meal. But if I have a few blueberries, I'll start getting dandruff. It'll throw the whole digestion off. No Just kidding. drop a few blueberries. Yeah, so I, I don't do well with fruit at all. But, and another reason for this is, is because in the natural world, um, all of the natural fruit out there are these tiny, small yes. bits at best. Yeah. And everything else, like the original watermelon, was this tiny little starchy berry that had no sugar. It had nothing inside of it. You couldn't even eat now it. it all is is sugar, right? <laughs> now all yeah, it is is sugar. It's 30 times more sugar. Wow. The, you know, most of these fruit. The original banana was this extremely starchy banana, which was completely seeds. There's not no edible fruit. Interesting. The modern banana has 30 grams of sugar. So this is all new stuff. It's not really um, primal food or original food. How about oranges? Orange juice, same? Uh, that's the fruit that I will have. Yeah. I'll have orange juice in a while. Yeah. So, so the oranges, they haven't messed with that much over the years? They have. They have messed with them. However, um, I do well with them, and I do recommend for people to consume orange juice if they want to gain weight and mass. Uh, the reason being is because Though it's a lot of though it's a lot of fructose and sugar, it's not sweet the way a banana or a blueberry are, and thus it doesn't um, mess with your digestive acids. It's actually a digestive acid enhancer because it's of an acidic nature itself. I'll be. You can drink orange juice on top of like a meat meal, and it may enhance your digestion and absorption of certain nutrients. But if you drink apple juice on top of a meat meal, yeah. that sweet will feed the candida, and you're going to have fungal infections, and you're going to have indigestion. It's going to neutralize the stomach acid. So that's why but I... But the orange juice doesn't do that. Doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I get fresh orange juice here and we get organic. It's just great. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, which I do a lot because I, you know, crazy, uh, two or three in the morning and you take a big hit of this fresh orange juice, I tell you, it's like, it's like, it's like talking to God. There's, you know, you, you take that <laughs> and I say to myself, you know, I don't care what you say. There's nothing wrong with it drinking that. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. so magical, you know, especially in the middle of the night. You know, something going on with that. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's been a part of even the American diet for a very long time. Sure. The traditional breakfast 100 years ago was uh, like a bacon or sausage, eggs, and orange juice. Right. And it's because they instinctually understood that this mixes well with our food. Yeah. Oh, because it does mix well with our food. Yeah. That's, That's an important what, factor. Yeah. It mixes well with it won't cause candida, fungus, or indigestion. Here's an email from Janet for Verisalmad. Uh, come in before he goes. If you'd like to uh, ask a question, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. We're live here on the 27th or something like that. I never know what day it is. 26, who knows? Um, is there anything you can do if you're not able to sweat? Janet says, even in the infrared sauna, she doesn't sweat. What's up with that? Interesting. I would uh, bet that her her uh, much of her pores are clogged, wow. um, and she doesn't have enough hydration or water. So, if you're hydrated, the body will just kind of hold on to it, maybe, and not if you're dehydrated. If you're dehydrated, dehydrated. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
body won't want to sweat. Oh. So what she has to do is start consuming a lot less cooked food, a lot more vegetable juices, hydrate the body, and then try it again. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in the beginning, most people's skin today uh, is not capable of eliminating these things in sweating. That's just uh, a fact that modern populations are dealing with because of our light diet and lifestyle. But over weeks, months, and years of doing this, you really open up the pores of your skin and you start... Yeah, you uh, sweat more and more. Yeah. Very well. I like, like me, I... My my armpits are just always soaked when I'm walking around. You know, people. Is that, that's good. No, that's a good thing, right? I sweat well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like to do the dry brush massage. Have you ever messed with that? That's a nice thing for the skin before a sauna. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that's, kind of... that's another thing that can help her a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the dry brush. And, and uh, the most important factor, actually, aside from the hydration, um, even I, if I go into the sauna later in the day. Uh, after a meal that I've consumed, yes, I will sweat one fourth of what I typically can sweat because all of the blood is in the digestive organs trying to digest the food. Ah. So if you go on an empty stomach first thing in the morning after hydrating, your blood is free to flow and circulate around the body into the extremities and start pushing sweat out. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important thing to consider. Here's an email from Sissy. Thanks for having Varad on. It's always fun when you talk to him. Um, has he seen or know much about people are really concerned about these mRNA vaccines getting into the meat? Have you seen any stuff on that? Yeah. We're seeing stories, but I don't know. You know. Um, I think that's one of many things that's getting into our meat, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen anything specific, but I have seen articles where they are raising that topic and they want to start vaccinating the animals with the mRNA vaccine. Um, And ultimately, what you just have to do is start creating connections with more local farmers. The local farmers. Farmers market. A lot of these conventional animals, it's legal to feed them industrial waste product, bagels, donuts, and plastic. Like you go to some of these feedlot factories and they literally have expired Halloween candy in the feed, feeding that to the cows and the pigs. My goodness. Yeah, yeah we, I have a video on, on my channel. Um, do you? <laughs> it's horrible stuff. Yeah, so it's really important to know the source, right? And see if you can find a farmer's market, talk to the fellow and our girl and say, what do you feed them? You know, I, we can do that here where we, you can actually get eggs that they'll, they'll supplement feed, but it's organic and no soy, no corn. I mean, that's brilliant. You can actually they'll say, yeah, we don't do the feed with the corn and soy. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, we're very blessed, aren't we, to have the the um, the alternative uh, be exposed to this kind of food, even in this crazy world. I mean, it's, it's it's crazy. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I love this country so much is that yeah. we have this option because of the hard work of individuals like yourself who for many decades have been pushing the health movement here. And so my generation, we inherited it. Thank you guys for making the options available. <laughs> You know, it's our duty to now push it even further. But it's our pleasure. Yeah. Here's an email for you. What does Varus recommend we feed our dogs? Oh, I've had dogs my whole life. I have some ideas on that, but let's hear his. Um, it depends on what you want to do with it. If you want it to be just a healthy, normal animal, I would say medium rare meats. 
you want it to be a very strong animal, I'd say give it all raw meat. Yeah. Lots of fat. If you can't get the animal fat, uh, give it butter instead, and uh, you'll build some really strong yeah. uh, virile animals. Yeah, they my, become dangerous. My <laughs> girl here eats nothing but raw, and she does raw chicken too, because you can do raw chicken if it's raw. Don't do cooked chicken. And uh, beef, we get grass-fed, grass-finished. And then she has uh, goat's milk every morning too. I pour some goat's milk in a bowl. She just loves that. She just thinks that's great. <laughs> Maybe a raw <laughs> egg, you know. But I, I think that's a good good answer to this question. Um, here's an email from Lynn. My acupuncturist told me that traditional Chinese medicine says doing a sauna would be contraindicated for someone with atrial fibrillation because they already have too much heat constitutionally. What would Varys say to... Oh, to infrared sauna with someone with AFib. Okay. Hmm. It's a very smart Chinese doctor. Really? Yeah. I, I would have not thought of or considered that, but the thing with these traditional systems is that the, the foremost concern is consideration for who they're treating. And so that's a very smart and wise doctor. So there, considering could, her, there could be something to this, this AFib and the sauna, right? We know what do we know what's causing aphibi? I'm not sure. Uh, I would have to guess though that it's have to be some type of a uh, calcification of the the heart organ and the arteries. Huh. That would be my guess. And the best way to reverse that if you're, you know, sauna can help, but it may be dangerous. Um <clears throat> but raw vitamin K2 from raw grass-fed pastured egg yolks huh. will help a lot. Raw? Well, I, my, my first wife, she had severe heart disease when I met her. She was only like 26 at the time. <clears throat> and one of the reasons for, two of the reasons for her severe heart disease, and she'd have like just the worst type of um, uh, symptoms. She couldn't sleep that night. Her heart would like beat out of her chest. Wow. And uh, the reason was because she was on a grain-based, pesticide-based diet for most of her life. And uh, her father was a medical doctor that just gave them pills and pills of multivitamins and every single medical drug you could think of, you know, because he was a medical doctor. He was indoctrinated into that. And uh, these multivitamin supplements, they can really calcify the arteries, especially if it has a lot of calcium because it's a rock. Mm -hmm. You need uh, rock, all yeah. the cofactors. No. Yeah, you, need, you need cofactors to probably absorb these foods or these, these minerals. And um, so I was working on her. And finally, what got it to reverse was raw egg yolks. Huh. And her, her heart issues went away completely. They had come back several times, but they would come back after we removed the raw egg yolk and then I put her back on raw egg yolk again. And after about a year of eating raw eggs, her heart is completely fine. And so and, was there something magical or leaving out the whites? Uh not necessarily. Okay. She'd have the whites occasionally too, but but the part of the egg that was uh, contributing to the reversal of her heart disease was the egg yolk uh, because the egg yolk has all the fat-soluble vitamins. It has the important vitamin K2, which is the vitamin uh, which is necessary to properly mobilize minerals in the body and attach them to the bone matrix. Ah. And if you don't have vitamin K2 well, uh, and you take in these mineral supplements, they'll just calcify the body and organs and arteries where they should not ha have been otherwise. Mm. So the K2 in the diet helped to probably remove the, those calcium deposits, put them in the bone 
matrix. But then the, the raw cholesterol, which is also as important, helps to heal the arteries because it's made of cholesterol. It, it is cholesterol. It's the raw building block. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah, so many folks, when they talk about eggs, uh, often mention that the raw is the very best with eggs. I think they're right. I like it. I do good with it, man. Raw eggs. Woo, man. Yeah. I can have three raw eggs and no energy drainage. My brain is functioning fine. But if I cook the eggs, I'm like nauseated and tired for half an hour until it passes. <laughs> Isn't it, it? I'm the same way. Yeah, just drink them, you know, just drink them up. Um, from Amber, what does Varus think about spiritual things like past life regression and such? They're they're true if you can find a good hip, uh, hypnotist. Yeah, yeah, if you can, you can do it, or you can figure it out yourself, right? You can if you can hypnotize yourself and get into that state and yeah. search your, you know, your um, the subconscious of your psyche. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm a now guy. I know that it's always now, so I'm I know my past lives are right here in front of me. So that's the way I deal with it. You know, I, I look and see. Okay, what was I doing there? You'd be surprised what you can. <laughs> come up with you know let's see that's a great question what would virus recommend to help cure bruxism bruxism which is when people all grind their teeth while they are asleep and what could virus recommend for getting more vitamin a so grinding teeth is there they actually gave that a word bruxism they they give everything a word right (laughs) i would think and this is just my intuition yeah i would think it's due to uh heavy metals and um, improper minerals stored in the brain and in the myelin sheath of the nerves, Mm. causing that type of nervous system reaction, that instinctual reaction at night. I'm assuming this happens when she's sleeping. It's a he, but yeah, at night. Yeah, at night. Yeah. And so the body is instinctually reacting like that. He's not doing it consciously, but it's, it's stressed out. Something is bothering his nervous system and brain. And it could be you know, metals or uh, minerals like fluoride and uh, flor- uh, fluoride and such, uh-huh. uh, or calcium from multivitamin supplements. Um, I would approach it with the saunas to remove this stuff out of the brain and nervous system. And then, of course, the raw eggs again. Right. The cholesterol, rebuild the brain and the nervous system. And then, of course, butter and honey to also put build fat around these organs. Um if you're familiar with Ogenus von der Planets, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In peace. God bless him. He said that one of the ways he advised to deal with these kinds of issues, um, uh, environmental toxicity, was to put on fat. Yes. Put on a lot of fat so that your body can push and mobilize these environmental pollutants, heavy metals, and uh, e- indigestible minerals into the surface layers of the body, into the subcutaneous fat, away from the organs and glands and nerves and into the fat. And he would do like uh, iridology on people. He was an excellent iridologist. And he would find like very overweight people come in uh, who were like hell's angel bike riders and drug addicts. And he would look at their eyes and they'd have like very healthy organs. And it's because they would store all the drugs all the and fat chemicals in, into the fat. The fat. Wow. And conversely, he did have very skinny people come in who were like into health for many years, and he'd look in their eyes and say, "Your organs are screwed up. Everything is being stored in your organs. All the metals, all the environmental." Gotta get some fat, baby. (laughs) Gotta get some fat. Yeah. So for him, I would advise uh, um, 
again, my, I think that this could be a nervous system issue and a brain issue. Something's bothering his brain and nerves. Uh, sweat them out and bring in the raw fats from raw eggs, butter, and butter and honey to put on fat. Even me, when I'm poisoned with like a supplement that may have a metal, I have similar symptoms. I don't bite my teeth like that, but I start pressing my feet like this when I'm laying in bed. You can see my that? nervous system. Wow. reacting yeah like my my whole nervous system is flexing and i'm not doing it consciously my body's reacting like that so that's how ajan is put on fat he just but we keep hearing this meme about fat won't make you fat but that's not necessarily true is it it is true but you have to have it with the honey and the carbohydrates to help to, to put on the fat to put on the fat ah that will make you fat if you're, you can eat 10,000 calories of butter a day. Yeah, you won't be able to gain that's fat. my experience. I don't put on any weight because that's all I do is eat fat. So if I added yeah. some carbs in there, I put on some weight. Put on a lot. Yeah. You, and the way I, like I advise when I do consultations with people, when mm -hmm. they want to put on fat, I say do like a half a teaspoon of honey yeah. to a tablespoon of butter and do that every half hour. Wow. But that's uh, on top of the, your normal diet, which should also have carbs, proteins, and fats. Yeah. You know? And if you do that, you're creating this constant influx of good raw sugar and good raw fats. The body will burn the sugar. It'll store the fat so, so you never burn that precious fat you're putting on. Mm. And you can really improve your health. I mean, in the past few years, I myself have put on 70 pounds, 75 pounds of weight. I was very underweight because of what fruitarianism did to me. Wow. Um, and man, so many of my sensitivities went away. My sleep got better. My hormones functioned better. Like weight and fat is so important. Yeah. And I didn't get a belly. I just got healthy subcutaneous fat, which is so precious. And I believe that it, that's one of the um, primary things that keeps people looking firm and young. You want that subcutaneous fat. You don't want to get rid of it. Yeah. My mom used to say that. It was so funny you mentioned that. She used to say, well, you got to have some weight on. Because otherwise you look old, and she would say that. So, so she would, you know. My grandma was the same way, and she, she, she was around to ninety six and never did any drugs, and that, and she just went to sleep one night and went to heaven. It was just so cool. It's like the she, natural way. Yeah, she took care of herself up to the day that she left. It wasn't amazing. Just oh, ninety six, yeah. and you mentioned that, and she would have a little glass of wine, about three or four ounces. That's it every night. That's all. And she'd make her own wine. So she'd have a little glass of wine with, <laughs> with, with dinner. She made her own wine. Yeah. Well, That's a great gallon, boy. Amazing. So, yeah. So I just got to play with this carb thing. I think I'm beginning too uncarby. Right? I'm feeling I need some more carbies. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, some people, they may uh, vehemently protest against this. Because when they have a teaspoon of honey or even an apple or a teaspoon of rice, they freak out. But not everybody is that metabolically deranged. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people who are very zealous in the low-carb, zero-carb right. community. Right. They go into that group because they have severe reactions from any form of oh, sugar. Oh, I see. So that's why they get into this club. Huh? Not everybody's like that. Some people can tolerate hundreds of grams of carbohydrates and they're fine. And there's a way where you can rehabilitate yourself to tolerate carbohydrates. So you don't so you're not stuck in that corner. And uh, a big component of that is nutritional fortification. Remineralize your body with wheatgrass, bring in very high quality raw vitamins from things like raw eggs, mm -hmm. and over time, and also consume all your carbohydrates with fat so you don't have these blood sugar spikes. The fat will slow down. 
the release of sugar into the body. Mm-hmm. And over time, you, you'll rebuild your body's ability to be insulin sensitive and store muscle glycogen and process fructose in the liver. We have a, a monthly guest who's a big fan of uh, liver and, and liver and onions, but she says it's really important to have a little bit of rice with it. So maybe this is what she's talking about, that idea. Perhaps, yeah. Um, it's If you have the carbohydrate with it, it'll spare the protein and nutrients instead of you just burning it completely. Spare it. I, I see. So like the honey and the butter thing is the idea, right? Exactly. The same principle. Yeah. Same. yeah. It's, just like, it's just like chemistry school. This is fun. <laughs> does Varys think this is from Barry does Varys think there are any merit to our modern medical system I personally think that it is a racket that encourages physicians to lie push drugs and get away with behavior anyone else would be jailed for so we know his opinion <laughs> um, I have absolutely no respect for any of them at all the whole system is a cartel Um, the people that I have learned a lot from though were medical doctors who woke up from the system and said this is just complete bullshit so I think them there's a lot of medical doctors who are like that but for the most part the average medical doctor he was an unhealthy nerd in high school who was either pressured to go to medical school by his parents and didn't want to do it or he wanted the, uh, the, the MD certificate on his office for fame and notoriety hmm they have no interest in health whatsoever. And so you have these type of individuals marched into the system and indoctrinated by the medical cartel. And really all that they have to offer is to burn you, cut you open, shove things up you and drug you out. Yeah. When you offer a theory like, hey, maybe if we give this patient some raw vegetable juices in the morning, it may help his kidneys and blood sugar or heart problems a bit. They'll say it's total quackery. They won't even look at it. They won't acknowledge anything outside of drugs and burning you. Yeah. So my thoughts on the medical system, uh, it's going to collapse. It's going to implode on itself. Um, I'm shocked to see, though, that how after what had happened in March of 2020 with the yeah. shutdowns and everything, mm-hmm. so many people woke up to what was happening, especially with the, the damn jabs. And now that it has subsided, they have many of them have fallen into their lullabies again. You know, they, they they failed to realize that what had that, that monster, that tyrannical monster, which showed its head during that year, had always been there. And this medical system is a strong arm of it. So I know, for example, a female individual was very opposed. She's a nurse. She was very opposed to the lockdowns and the boosters. She didn't want it for her and her kids. But now that that wave is over, she's back to, uh, um, you know, she's nursing, but she doesn't see that the drugs, the dozens of drugs which she's administering to these patients are part of the same creature, part of the same tyrannical monster. Yeah. The same thing. (laughs) So I think there's plenty of evidence for us that this remdesivir and this other stuff they were doing in the, the, uh, what was that contraption they put them on, the ventilators? It was killing people. You know, it just, it, it was, man. Wow. Um, th- there's, they could, there's hundreds of thousands of people who die every year from uh, cigarette smoking, from processed sugars. They don't give a damn. The biggest uh, industrial complex we have is creating bombs and jets and bullets. And, you know, we meat grind around the world. 
why would they give a damn about something that kills less than 1% of the population? No, they needed to um, run a trial run of what they want the new paradigm to look like. You'll own nothing, be happy, yeah, the whole. Uh, stay at home, uh, ne- you know, stream Netflix, here's a UBI directly deposited into the chip in your pineal gland, <laughs> right? Here's your artificial intelligence girlfriend, we're going to send her to you. Um, that's this, where they're going. That's where they're that's going. That's where they're going. Did you see? I've yeah. seen some videos where they're actually it's becoming a big business. They're doing AI porn. I mean, I'm serious. They're doing. I mean, I've it's crazy. This, yeah. It's like, what are you people doing? This is going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. <laughs> I know. There's a you know this is like crazy stuff. What's what's I know. unfolding? It's like another world, isn't it, ours? It's like what are you uh, people? On the, on the one hand, they. Um, patronized and popularized horror culture with like OnlyFans and these, you know, uh, Instagram and social media. And they created a nation of very weak men who who just love it. And, you know, they don't really do much for themselves. They just are monofocused on that. But now they're replacing the actual females with artificial intelligence and deep fakes and all that. So now you're going to have a bunch of, (laughs) uh, you know, out of work women. (laughs) And uh, they destroyed the, the, the marriage structure. There's like a gender war going on in this country. It's kind of crazy. And there's no retraction to this. It's going to keep imploding. It's a process of entropy. I, I agree with you. I just don't think it's going to fix itself, is it? Because oh, no there, way, there's no. too many hypnotized people, right? There's just They just don't know what's going on. or They don't get that they're hypnotized. Um, it, I don't know. It's like the sun setting. There's no way you can physically stop the sun from setting. <laughs> It's going. You have to wait for a new sun to rise, a whole new paradigm and system. And during the sunset at night, you know, God knows what this country is going to see. <laughs> so you so. think, yeah, I feel like it's that way. I've studied this quite a bit on the financial system. I think it's just going to implode. The whole thing is just going to, you know, crash and burn. And and they're going to do the digital, you know, thing. And the people. So those of us who aren't going to do that, we're just going to have to get creative, right? We can barter and do stuff. And who knows? Yeah, and then there's things like you know, we have a gold, silver, and Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin yeah. is a, a really big thing too. Because what if I want to trade with you? I want to buy your supplements, and I can't. I don't want to send you gold to Texas. I can just send you Bitcoin to Texas, and you can send me some yeah. nutritional supplements. You know, I think it's so, here to stay. The people I talk to, they think that it's uh, you know it's here to stay. Send me the other one. Here is uh, Sandra. Can you please ask? Thanks for all the great questions. Can you please ask Varus what he thinks about addressing? elevated prolactin in a 40-year-old woman who doesn't menstruate. Oh, Sandra's not menstruating, but she's got an elevated prolactin. Hmm. I, I'd have to see her um, <clears throat> her weight and her diet and um, her history because it can be a, a variety of things. And she's not menstruating and is high prolactin. <clears throat> Usually prolactin uh, is associated with the high intake of dairy. It's uh, prolactin. You find it a lot in dairy, um, but it can also be environmental pollutants in her fat cells, glands, and organs, which are causing this type of hormonal imbalance. So, and and it, it may not necessarily be just the, the high. When they look and do blood tests, and it's high prolactin, just because it's high prolactin doesn't mean that that's the issue, and you have to lower prolactin. I see. You know what I'm saying? Don't get focused the body's on that. Yeah. Saying, this is what's going on, and this is how I'm expressing myself. But the underlying issue is different than high prolactin. If she fixes the underlying issue, the hormones will balance themselves out again. Mm-hmm. 
So there's no point of treating it from that surface level. What would be your theory which would be a more normal, natural way that women would go into menopause and than what they do now? Um, what do you mean in more natural uh, way? Of, of a different age. You think they would uh, be fertile longer and just... Yeah, and a lot of it's dependent on raw food. Is it? Yeah, how much raw food you have in the diet. Mm. Um, this is going to be kind of personal, but... <clears throat> One, we have Pottinger's cats. Are you familiar with Dr. Pottinger's I am. work? Yes, I am. Amazing work, fascinating work. And, um, you know, you, you have these generations of cats which stay virile and fertile generation after generation with raw food. But when you put them on a 100% cooked food diet, they develop autoimmune disorders and diseases and become completely infertile and barren by the third generation. Yes. There are some people who protest his findings because they say, well, we feed our house cats cat chow and house food, and they're still fertile. But I would argue when you let them outside, they go and hunt rabbits and lizards and, and birds. So they're getting some raw meat in the diet. Um, so that's the posture thing. Hormones, uh, raw food and hormones are very important. And simple things such as just having a raw egg and maybe some vegetable juices, that can be enough. You don't have to go 100% raw. Um, and the wheatgrass is powerful for this. The wheatgrass is very powerful. Um, <clears throat> me personally... Because I'm very sensitive, I had torn my body down to 110 pounds and now brought it back up to 200. I'm very sensitive to things. I'm like the canary in the coal mine. If there's something bad in the air, I'm the first one to react to it. When I drink things like too much coffee and get dehydrated, at night, I feel my gonads pinching in on themselves and getting smaller. Wow. I'm losing fertility. When I have lots of raw food in the diet, at night when I'm resting, I feel my gonads expanding and filling in. So from just a personal experience, I know for a fact that raw food encourages and promotes fertility. Um, she's got to find a way to incorporate raw food into her diet. The, well, the lady we were speaking of earlier, but in general, women going into to menopause, if they want to push it into uh, their later years, they're going to have to have raw food in the diet. And that could be everything raw, whether it be whatever it is, animal, whatever it is, whatever it is yeah animal, plant, but they need a portion of raw food because there's, we can say, well, what is in the raw food? Is it the B vitamins? Is it the minerals? What is it that raw food has? And I would say there are dozens of things and even hundreds of things which we haven't even discovered yet that's mm. in the raw food that is cooked or destroyed when you heat it. Oh. Yeah. And our us being biological organisms... Our biology has evolved since the dawn of time to consume a 100% raw food diet, just like every single wild species on the planet consumes a 100% raw food diet. We have an adaptation to cooked food, but I don't think that that's a, a good adaptation. I think it's an adaptation where we operate and function at a lower level. Nonetheless, it's an adaptation. But if you really want to um, enhance your health in the simplest manner possible, I would say look more towards nature and incorporate more of those raw foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense, you know. And I, I don't. I, yeah, I've not seen a lot of wolves with a cook stove out there. I mean, you know, they're they're hard to find. You know, there's <laughs> there's not a whole yeah. there's not a Home Depot. You know, in the woods. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are you What are you gonna do? Oh man, well it's fun talking to you. Thanks so much. So you're gonna do. 
you're going to, I'm going to look for your video on wheatgrass, right? You're going to do one for us and show us how to do it. That'd be great. That'd be great. I'm going to make sure that I send it to you personally okay. via email. And, I, and, and I'll put it on sure. our front page and then I'll, I'm going to try it. And, and so it's really great. You don't even need to have racks or something and grow lights. I have a porch that just gets morning sun. Just put it on the porch and it's, it's fine, huh? Yeah, it's totally fine. You can literally just do it on a porch. Yeah. You just don't want direct sun, right? Just don't want direct sun. Uh, yeah, because <clears throat> you're gonna if you put it in direct sun and it's out there for too long, it may uh, heat it up too much and dry it out, and then it will just kill the wheat berries. I see. I see. Yeah. Okay, here's the final one. Just zipped in here. This is from Leanne. Leanne, thanks for having Varis on. Yeah, I don't hear him mention seafood much. What does he think about seafood, either raw or cooked? in general, and also shrimp and oysters and things like that. Thanks. Okay, what about seafood? Do you, you, I don't hear you talk about it much. Seafood is delicious. It's very nutrient and mineral dense, but in my opinion, it's too dangerous for the modern world. <clears throat> One of my recent videos I uploaded was about the rise of transgender gangsters and the association with the consumption of toxic seafood. Pretty big stretch to, con to, <laughs> to connect those two. I call them gangsters because they force their opinions and beliefs on everybody. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> you guys are gangsters. You're a gangster. <laughs> but, basically, in that video, I um, detail and elaborate how sea food or sea life in even the most pristine waters around the planet Yeah are contaminated with heavy metals and environmental pollutants. Really? The planet is so polluted right now, uh, and much of this makes its way into the ocean, and because of the currents in the ocean, it gets circulated to all bodies of water, because the ocean is actually just one body of water. Yes. And For example, you know, if I have this glass of water, but I put like a teaspoon of dirt in there, it, you know, it mixes into the entire thing. Mm-hmm. It dilutes into the entire thing. And so the oceans are very much like that. And you have to think, you know, we've had hundreds of years of industrialization and this stuff doesn't go anywhere. The, the largest um, dump, garbage dump on the planet is actually in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, I've seen that. And if you That's where just a huge, just, it's, it's miles, right? Uh, if you, if well, from what I read in um, in an article was that if you were to um, compress all the waste together, yeah because there's a lot of micro particles as well, it would be the size of California. Oh, that's crazy. That much pollution. Yeah, uh, yeah and these are STD condoms. These are diaper, diapers. These are bottled cans. This is aluminum. This is heavy metals. This is coal. This is depleted uranium from bombs, which they are testing in the Pacific Islands. All this stuff is inside there, and it's slowly percolating into our food chain. And so when you consume these foods, it um, bioamalgamates into your own body, bioaccumulates into your own body. So I show articles where, like, in, in Lapland, in Northern Ireland, in these pristine rivers, 50% mm. uh, of the male fish are, are transgender, they're intersexual. They, they have female eggs in the male gonads. Oh. It's literally changing the sexes of the fish. I hate, this it. Is what I hate it when that happens. That's not good. <laughs> it's not, it's good. not good at all, no. So wow. seafood, it's an, every time I consume it, I react to it. Do you? If I feel like my, my brain is burning, yeah, I can't tolerate it at all. Wow. Even while... No, that's a shame, isn't it? Because it is so good. You know, it's so tastes good. Oh my know? God! Yeah, I I would live off of it if I could. Yeah, yeah. Modern world. Yeah. 
Well, uh, we certainly have our hands filled full here. We humans on, on the earth plane, don't we? We, 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 yeah, we do. We've got, yeah. So I'm going to introduce you to um, uh, Mr. John Paulando. Okay, he lives up in the northwest that you're kind of interested in exploring. So I'll send you an email and with an email and introducing you guys and you can hook up with him. And, and so that's what you're going to do next. You're going to kind of look around and see where you're going to live and grow some food. Yeah, I need to leave California and I want to find my own land and farm in the Pacific Northwest. Oh. For many years, I was designing yeah. permaculture farms with a team of people, yeah. but there are other people's farms. And um, because I'm more of a, uh, I like my solitude, I like to be on my own plot of land rather than, uh, you know, becoming an accessory on someone else's farm. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea so, of how many acres you're going to look at trying to find? Uh, no, not really. I don't want more than 50. I don't need more than 50. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. At a very, you know, I'm possibly probably going to go around 20, though. Uh, but for me, the most important thing is that I wake up and I enjoy the, the scene yeah. around me. Yeah. yeah. And why are you interested in that area, the northwest? It's just pretty up there? I love it. Yeah. It's the most beautiful place in the world. I love the Pacific Northwest. What what part have you been in and you experienced that beauty? Uh, all of it. All I've of seen it? the whole Pacific West, um, the Grant Pass. Are you familiar with the Grant Pass? I'm not, no, yeah. The Grant Pass is very beautiful. If you're going from California, you're going to take the uh, the five north, and as soon as you cross into Oregon, um, I think it turns into the 101. But it's not from the five. I mean, it's not from the 405. You get it from the five, and think it goes to the one 101. It's called the Grant Pass, and um, just before you enter this pass in the mountains, there's this beautiful uh, Christian church at the entrance. It's one of the most beautiful churches I've seen in my life. And as soon as you pass that, you just have some of the most amazing scenery. That's in Oregon. The rest of Oregon is very beautiful. But then in Washington, uh, places like um, Mount Rainier, mm -hmm. uh, the the Olympic Peninsula in the Pacific, uh, to the very northwest, um, and then the, in the northeast, the Cascades. I mean, these are just such beautiful areas. You don't find this kind of uh, topography or geography anywhere else in the world. Yeah. I need to go up there and just drive around and check it out. I have not been this lifetime, so it's probably worth it. You've got to. Probably worth the trip. It's so worth it. Yeah. 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 If, if, if this Pacific Northwest wasn't in America, I would have moved back to my ancestral country in Afghanistan. No, really? I'm that, I, yeah, I would have. I'm that extreme, but I was so captivated and, and, and enamored by the Pacific Northwest. I simply can't, I can't live without it. I can't leave it. And in Afghanistan, you know, it's always kind of exciting because there, there's always somebody invading there to take their stuff. So, you know, <laughs> there's always, right, it's either the Russians or the United States or who knows next, who what's next, right? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys have been through it, haven't you? God, I love it. You know, it's like, whoa, man. Yeah, but th this, um, this may not be popular at all amongst most of your listeners, but this regime that's now in power, and you know most diaspora Afghans won't agree with me either, but this regime is uh, incredibly effective at bringing law, order, and they're developing the nation very rapidly. Oh, in Afghanistan, Afghanistan. Yeah. Ah, cool. Yeah. That's good. You guys deserve that. You know, man. Yeah, they are. They they are. They're hard asses. They're religious hard asses, but they have no corruption in them. They have very strong moral fiber. Is that right? Interesting. Yeah, and yeah. that's one of the reasons why they successively waged a 20-year uh, insurgency against NATO is that they they are basically the modern equivalent of what the ancient Templar Knights were. Ah. So basically, the modern Templar Knights 
received the nation, they received the statehood. Many Afghans aren't in alignment with them. Many Afghans aren't. These are like a segment of Afghan society who um, simply did not want to integrate into the modern world. They said, we want to evolve our own way and do it in do it ourselves so, what we wanted so they fought against the communists but in afghanistan there were communists at the time who wanted communism in the country and then they fought against uh neoliberalism and democracy though in afghanistan there were people who were pro-democratic and it failed because this group um uh, they are they're hard asses and they're kind of crazy they're willing to die <laughs> yeah well, nice when, thing about the yeah, yeah, when law you, and order when you get invaded as much as they have i mean everybody's been wanting their stuff since the beginning of time you know, right? Yeah. I mean, what is it? Is it all the minerals and the uh, rare earth minerals that they have that people want? Yeah, rare earth minerals, and it's also a very geostrategic location yeah. because it's the very heart of Asia. Ah, yeah. 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 You've got China to the east, you've got uh, Russia and the Central Asian satellite countries to the north, and you have the Middle East and Iran to the west. So it's mm-hmm. literally the, the, the land bridge that connects the three realms. Yeah. Yeah, it's an. So your your people were from there. Your mom and dad were from there. Yeah, my mom and dad are originally from there. Ah. Yeah, mm. and I've gone around the world. I've traveled a lot around the world, and um, you know, I don't I don't really care for traveling much anymore because uh, I find that there's not much. Well, the nicest place in the world is America yeah. for sure. We this country like far and beyond uh, anything else. And so I was like, if I'm not going to do farming here, I either go there and farm, and they're an agrarian society anyway. Or I'd stay here and do it, but I wouldn't be able to adapt and integrate into the culture there too well. I was born in America. I am an American. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's a, the, there's no forced boosters. There's none of that bullshit. Uh, they call out everything where it is. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're like a libertarian, it's a libertarian's utopia. There are a bunch of hardcore libertarians that said, screw all of it. <laughs> or the infrastructure projects. They won't accept any loans that have interest on them. How oh, really? Like when the Chinese or the Americans try to invest in the country, they say no interest or get the hell out. The IMF, so that's what like, they, you know, the IMF will create the dollars on a computer, loan it to Afghanis or somebody, and then charge them interest. You know, it's it's a brilliant yeah. scheme, you know, when you think about it. <laughs> Every citizen is allowed one rocket propelled grenade and one AK-47. Wow. RPG in every citizen. <laughs> so it's a very libertarian country. That's pretty libertarian, uh, man. <laughs> in the sixties, it was a hippie it was a hippie um uh getaway. It was a very popular destination for hippies to go there. Hmm. Prior to all the wars, because of the um the quality of the cannabis that was sold there. And uh the people in general, they're again agrarian people and they're very just relaxed and laid back. They 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 have very great hospitality. But if you go in with the gun, um, everyone in the mountains comes out to fight. Yeah, and uh, if you kill them, they celebrate, and if they kill you, they still celebrate. So there's no way to defeat them. Everything's a celebration, whether they die or they don't. Yeah. <laughs> they're celebrating. <laughs> and old Putin got in there with it. He wanted his stuff, man. They just kicked his ass, and they just they they just got him out of there. You can't. You yeah. Yeah, his there the Russian Soviet war. That was a very brutal war. I mean, they were dropping uh, in the countryside small bombs from planes that looked like children's toys. And the intention was to depopulate the countryside. They'd find the wells in the countryside and poison the wells. The Americans don't do things like that. They don't, they're not genocidal. They're just, uh, they have their nose in the air and think that. um, They're going to install democracy, right? They're going to install democracy. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, and they try hard, and, you know, because I, I, I witnessed what I worked with the military, and I witnessed what the war effort looked like. They were in a benevolent manner trying to impose their cultural values and democracy on the country in a benevolent way, but it didn't work. Yeah, and the people fought. But they're not like the Russians who come in and just kill everybody. Did they you really? Know, they, 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 were, they were that nasty, huh? They're disgusting. Dropping, I mean, think of it, like dropping bombs that look like kids' toys so that the kids in the countryside can intentionally pick them up and it blows them up. This was a part of their strategy. Was that Putin or pre-Putin? It was pre-Putin, but he was in the KGB at the time. This oh. was in the 80s. Oh, good. KGB, that's a good spot. <laughs> oh, man. You think this, this Ukraine thing, it's probably never going to stop, isn't it? They're just going to keep going. I mean, it looks like, I don't know what they're up to. Yeah, I think it's going to either be a 15-year stalemate or it's a powder keg that's going to expand into the whole European continent. Yeah. Yeah. And my my theory is that uh, the military-industrial complex of the deep state have intentionally planned for this thing to explode like a powder uh, keg in, um, in, uh, in step with Taiwan. Oh, because uh, the yeah. Chinese are going to get Taiwan and all happen at the same time. Yeah, because um, the way I perceive it is that this whole Great Reset thing, um, there's a group, a large group of individuals who very much understand what's happening. Very, you know, the yeah. economic implosion, social implosion, political implosion, the de-dollarization. And there's a faction of them, led by Prince Charles mainly, who say, let's focus on ecology, let's focus on regionalization rather than globalization, and let's go into a new paradigm. Um, and then there's another portion who say, absolutely not, we're going to take it to a nuclear war if we have to, we're not letting go of power. We're going to try the war effort. And so they're both competing in tandem to see which one will yeah. get their way. Yeah, yeah. That's how, I could be wrong, but from all of my uh, analysis of the situation, this is what it looks like. Well, if you want to run, you, I'll vote for you. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I say I'm farming. <laughs> I'm, I'm farming, baby. I, I'm, I'm doing, doing farming. <laughs> you know? All right, Faris. So you're going to do soon. We're going to see a, a little video on um, wheatgrass from you, and we'll put it on our front page. And then folks can find all of your material on YouTube, right? Pretty much that's where you, your action is, right? YouTube? Yeah, on YouTube, and um, then I have my books available on Amazon. On Amazon. Um, yeah. And a lot of the ideas which I discussed here are, are in those books. In uh, my YouTube videos are also a great source of education. Each one, I'm explaining things and detailing them. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, they can find more information yeah. there. Well, um, thank you. It was very fun. It's always very fun coming onto your show. Well, thank you. It's been, a, been an honor, and... And I appreciate you taking the time to be here. So you take care of yourself, and we'll stay in touch. You as well, Patrick. All right, baby. Thank you. I love you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Ferris Ahmad, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Cool guy, huh? Yeah, baby. A-H-M-A-D. Nutrition, philosophy, anthropology. I'm going to watch some of his, more of his videos. Well, kids, what do you say? That we take a break here? We have Farmer's Market Day on Wednesday in Dripping Springs, so... That's fun. Yeah, find your farmer's markets. You can just Google around. If you've not if you've not seen them, you know, if you've not been there, just go ahead and find them. And then you can talk to the farmers 
And then, you know, you can say, well, what are you feeding this guy? And, you know, you know, that's a good thing, right? To support these people. Because as best I can tell so far, I've written a few companies and I, I don't, I'm not feeling very good about buying just commercial bacon out there, even when they say, you know, natural, no antibiotics, even, I can't find any grass-fed or, I don't know, kind of like bacon, so I'm still looking. If you find some really good bacon, let me know. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. So thanks for your support. Uh, Varys talked a lot about saunas. Uh, We have one. It's a good one. And the only way to get this price, baby, baby, is to email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. It's a great sauna. Um, It's $12.95, delivered in the lower 48, $12.95. And the only way to get it, that price, is to email me, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. I just don't think there's, you know... Well, I I just think they're terrific. And you can do these every day for the rest of your life, baby. You know what I mean? Bean? Jelly bean? You know what I mean? Jelly bean? Okay, uh, we're going to take Thursdays off like we always do. And we will see you on uh, Friday. And I hope you enjoyed the show this morning. And we'll get that one up. It's all about, uh, you know, staying younger. All right, thank you for your uh, support, your donations and everything and your your purchasing of the products. And we'll see you on Friday at uh, 10 o'clock Central Time. I love you all very much. Thank you, and may the blessings be. Know the Source on One Radio Network.